Today's episode of the NBA Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unexpected like Charles Barkley and Shaq criticizing Joel Embiid. And instead of getting mad about it, taking it to heart and going out and destroying the Boston Celtics. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's show also brought to you by Zorro. Zorro.com is where you'll find everything you need for businesses of any size and almost any industry. They have tools, equipment, and supplies for everything you need. Whether you need stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, manufacturing, or more, Zorro's got it from brands you know and trust. And Zorro.com offers amazing customer service from real people based in the U.S. Visit Zorro.com, Z-O-R-O.com slash NBA in all lowercase letters to sign up for Z-Mail and get 15% off your first order. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Shredder, Kevin! Verno, what's going on this Friday? Well, we unfortunately start the show today with our thoughts and prayers going out to David Stern. The NBA released a statement last night, and this was really out of nowhere uh, because it was so sudden uh, what took place. David Stern collapsed at a restaurant last night suffering a brain hemorrhage, and the NBA sent out NBA Commissioner Emeritus David Stern suffered a sudden brain hemorrhage earlier today for which he underwent emergency surgery. The NBA said in a statement, our thoughts and prayers are with David and his family. Um, New York's fire department responded to a 911 call at a Midtown restaurant uh, around 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and fire officials transported the 77-year-old Stern to Mount Sinai West Medical Clinic. Uh, there's no immediate word on his condition. But as we know, David Stern was the commissioner of the NBA for 30 years from 1984 to 2014 super scary uh sobering news to say the least and we should at least start today by saying you know here's hoping that everything goes well with David Stern and he's able to come back to health because that is absolutely terrifying Kev yeah it was horrible to, to see that news last night obviously David Stern 77 years old has lived a full complete life i mean all these his accomplishments um and hopefully that's able to continue i i saw i think michael lee from the athletic tweeted last night that he recently spoke with david stern and everything i've heard is stern is still has conversations with adam silver he's still sharp still loves and cares about the growth of the league just like he oversaw it over those 30 years like you said chris seven teams were added during his tenure six teams relocated of course the league changed with david stern as commissioner and it's amazing how one day someone can seem completely healthy and then the next they can have something like this happen. So hopefully Stern is able to get back to full health uh, for him and his family, but sending our, sending our best to them. Uh, the premier game last night was the 76ers and the Celtics. And this one had a little something added because on Tuesday night, after the Sixers beat the Denver Nuggets, 
Uh, Charles Barkley said he is the toughest player in the league to match up with, speaking of Joel Embiid. But we don't talk about him the way we talk about Luka, Giannis, Anthony Davis, James Harden. We don't ever say that about him. We're telling you, you can be great. You ain't playing hard enough. 22 points ain't enough to get you to the next level, uh, Shaquille O'Neal added. Do you want to be great or do you want to be good? If you want to be good, keep doing 22 points. If you want to be great, give me 28, give me 30. You want to be great, watch Giannis. He wants to be great. Last night, Joel Embiid went out and scored 38 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. He is 21 uh, or 12 of 21 from the field, 12 of 14 from free throws. And you hear him after the game speaking to these guys and saying, you guys are Hall of Famers. And when you say something, I really take it to heart. And, you know, I do need to be more aggressive. And, I, I you know, so many guys get really mad about Charles Barkley and Shaq or these guys saying something. It's old heads. It's haters. You know, uh you know, they're, they're, they're criticizing them uh, on national television. And so they they respond by getting mad at those guys. Uh, Embiid took the entire other tact, which was it's meaningful to me when you say something like that. And I'll be damned, Kevin. He went out and showed everybody because he was a menace last night. Embiid was unbelievable. It was easily his best game overall of the season. And, you know, Shaq and Barkley were both critiquing Embiid's scoring, saying, you know, you're giving us 22 points per game. You're going to give us 30. And there's some truth to that. But I thought more than anything else with Embiid this year, sometimes it's the, the playmaking. Last night with six assists and far more secondary assists or potential assists on top of that, Embiid looked the way... I thought he would look in year four of his career when he was a prospect at Kansas. At that point of his career, sometimes he was slow to make reads, but he always had passing vision. He delivered an accurate ball. And last night, he was throwing darts out there. He was beating double teams, making patient, poised reads. And with Joel Embiid, when he has that balance of the playmaking threat Never on top of his scoring threat, it becomes even more difficult for a defense to decide what to do. If you're going to double team him, if he can beat you with a smart pass, and if you single team him, he can just pummel a defender underneath the rim, draw a foul, get to the line. That's what takes him to that next level as a scorer if he's able to beat defenses with that pass as well. And we saw that complete version of Joel Embiid last night against the Celtics. Well, and it just goes to show that. You know, I mean, look, he admitted he he heard what he had to say, he, uh, what those guys had to say. He said, maybe they're right. And then he went out there and showed I can be the most dominant player on the court. And, you know, what Barkley's message to him was you have to be more aggressive. Like the great player, he has to set the tone for the team every night, like not just be an innocent bystander to what is happening. And you know that he's got that in his pocket. He can be that, and he can be the most dominant figure, especially now when so many teams are playing small that th this guy has an even greater advantage. Um, and you were talking about passing. I mean, look, he sees a lot of double teams still uh, to get the ball out of his hands, and he is a very good passer. But it just goes to show he's got that in him. They know he's got that in Every We all know like he can be the best guy on the court any given night. And so what they're saying is to be like a real superstar, to be like a, a legendary player, that's got to be every night. 
you go out there and you plan on doing that. Not just because somebody ripped you on TNT or criticized you or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and there's a, there's a lot of guys like that. You, you never know what's going to motivate them. But he was clearly a motivated guy last night. And that is a likely, very, very possibly, uh, a Eastern semis preview, right? That those teams could easily be on a collision course against each other. And it brings up, I think when you see Embiid do what he did last night, there is going to be a sentiment which has lasted the entire season, which is, does Boston need to make a move for a big? And there's been arguments about this. Like, is there anybody that you want that's big, that's going to be better than the guys that they are regularly putting out there, which are more perimeter-based? What do you think? Do you think that because of who you have to get past in the East, that that should you know, guide their thinking and say, hey, we need better big guys than what we've got? But what's the move, right? Like, I know somebody tweeted last night, what is Boston need to give up for Steven Adams? And in theory, Steven Adams is the perfect target. He's a big, sturdy defensive player who can muscle with Joel Embiid in a playoff series. But how are you going to get Steven Adams? You don't have the salaries to put together in a deal unless you're trading Gordon Hayward. And if you're doing that, that hurts your teams in other ways because you're using, you're losing that secondary ball handling presence next to Kemba Walker. So I don't know what the move really is for Boston. I'm not sure which big man is out there that would actually be playable in a series. With Ennis Cantor, it's not like he's a bad post defender. He's a bad pick and roll defender, but his post defense is good. He just got beat up last night. I I think for Boston, unless somebody becomes available that's unexpected, I'm not not sure what's really out there, Chris. Do you you have any ideas on who they should potentially target? Because I'm not. You know my first reaction? And I know he just got demolished by John Morant the other night. They should have kept Baines. Well, yeah, Baines, of course. Is, I mean, is they the, really, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a mistake. He got a, what did he get? Two years, 10 million something? I mean, what a bargain he is. And I know that this isn't the time to talk about Baines after what just happened to him. But that's just one play. And by the way, know, like, for sure. Way, just one aside, though. Why do we bash guys for trying to contest dunks? Why? I don't get oh, it. Oh, I, I don't, don't understand. Think, I don't think anybody. Look, I don't no, think like, it's, we should be talking more about Baines. It's like, it's, wow. And I admire the effort of trying to block now. a super athletic dunker. It's I admire different. that when players look, do that. Look, you're, you're like thinking, when Jason, when Jason Terry got killed by LeBron. Yes. Like he got murdered by LeBron, but at least he tried to block the shot. Oh, I don't think any, I, look, I don't think anybody's killing the guy. I think they're goofing. It's funny. It's I, funny. It is, it is funny. But I also, mean, that's like, the thing. It's, it's funny. I know. It is funny. But it's funny to said, update his Wikipedia I, page that you know, his, <laughs> his career yes, ended. And yes. Like, it's, it's, yes. It's what well, makes things fun. But I don't think I, anybody I is saying, oh, he stinks or whatever. I, I mean, he sure. just got God. Yeah. I know, you know. I know. I know. But some, sometimes sometimes people do take it like that. Like, what oh, are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Oh, no. It, yeah, look, he's he, he contested it. I'll tell you this. Morant did that on Monday night against the Warriors, and Willie Cauley-Stein and the rest of them all got out of the way with the game on the line. So I give Baines credit. He tried to contest it. It did not work out for him. And maybe in retrospect, uh, I have more respect for him than I do Cauley-Stein because Cauley-Stein just looked at Morant, and he just went right down the lane with the game on the line and dunked it. For what Um, it's worth, Boston did that Baines trade to open up cap space. I understand. Uh, Yep. But still... Yeah, I'd figure something else out. 
<laughs> you know, because yeah. keeping that guy, like, if they had Baines, right, like that's the kind of guy you're talking about. Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams' contract is huge. That is hard. How do you match that? Seriously. Well, Boston can't unless they're trading Hayward, which I do not anticipate they would for Stephen Adams when he's not been the same player this year. You would not. You would not move Hayward in a deal for a big that unless it's like a fantastic big. But no. they're like who? What fantastic big is out there available? They're hard to come by. Like I mean, if you're sitting there and you're going, we got to have somebody that we can throw up against Embiid when it comes time. When it comes Eastern Conference semifinals time, you know, what are we going to do? Because we got to have somebody that we could throw well, in there. I mean, I think I think if you're Boston, Brad Stevens alluded to this. I saw a quote tweeted out after the game that he was unhappy with the double team rotations when they doubled in B that there were mistakes made. I think if you are Boston and you aren't able to add a big man, Adams like, as you alluded to, Chris, I think you have to do what you did last night, double team and bank on Philadelphia, having a poor shooting series. If it comes to that, that needs to be the formula. Uh, you need a bank on Embiid making inaccurate passes, or you need a bank on your rotations being sharp, forcing lesser players to make a decision. That needs to be the formula. That's what teams have done against the Sixers. That's what teams are trying to do against a lot of big men across the league. But for Boston, I'm not sure they're going to be able to find that guy to comfortably single-team Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to look around and see if there was anybody on. So Tristan Thompson got an interest in that. Of course, Thompson is okay. Is another there's guy. one, but, he, but but even then, though, it's seventeen million. And I know. His salary number. Even then, that's tough to get to for Boston. It's weird. In past years, they've had those types of contracts that you could comfortably put together in a deal. Well, actually, Thompson is at eighteen point five million. That's hard for Boston to get to. Drummond. Even harder. Any to get chance? To. Any chance they punt? I, I I'm personally not a Drummond fan. All right, My, Miles Turner. You mentioned him earlier in the year. I don't think I don't think he's gettable. No chance. Yeah. What else you got? I mean, Dwayne, no. Dwayne Dedman. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of it's kind of where we are in terms of guys that you would. I mean, unless you're unless you go get your your guy Mo Bamba. You want to go get him? I, I, I think. I think. I think what. I think what. Bo, definitely not Bomba. He doesn't defend like a like he's his size. I wish the they. Hey, I wish they would have given old Taco some run. <laughs> yeah, Bomba has long term potential as a. I still really like Bomba's long term potential as a potential high level two way player, um, and he shows the flashes on the defensive end of the floor right now. But the consistency is not there. He still needs to get a lot better for him to be a a guy you would put next to in Joel Embiid in the series. But Thompson is the type of guy, but again, the salary is too much. For Boston, I think you, you, what the type of move you probably have to go for is more like a a Bertans or a Covington or somebody like that and just try to out, be small. Out, yeah, yeah. I think that you need to play into your strengths there, like using your Tice salary filler perhaps yeah. um, in order to get a deal for a guy making money in that range. Yeah. All right. So you watched that game last night, and clearly Embiid was fantastic. Tobias Harris was good last night, too. Um, but if we are looking at that and we're saying in the limited amount of matchups we are going to see between these teams during the regular season, and we and we think about the fact that these could be, you know, this could be a final four game in the Eastern Conference. Do you sit there and watch that game and think either of these teams needs to 
fix something by the time they would meet up in the highest leverage situations? Sure. Um, I, I don't think there's any perfect team in the league right now. Uh, it's it's unlike past years with Golden State. It feels more like what we what we're used to in a way with imperfect uh, top teams in the league. They're, every team has a flaw. You could still say Philly could use more shooting. You could still say that that they could use a guy who can handle the ball more often at the end of games. But that's also another thing that's hard to find. Like just like for Boston, it'll be hard to find a center. Let's move on to another thing that took place yesterday, which is Dallas and Detroit playing a game in Mexico City. Adam Silver announcing that a G League team is going to be in Mexico City. Um, it was very funny. I don't. Did you see this press conference at all, Adam I did Silver? Not see the presser. Okay, Adam Silver uh, was announcing this, and he said, you know, he was thanking all of these people, and God bless him. There were there were some names that were very difficult to pronounce, and he did. Uh, exceedingly well. But then he said, and I'd really like to thank my deputy commissioner, Mark Cuban. And he goes, oh, not Mark Cuban, Mark Tatum. <laughs> it was it was an unbelievable slip. His deputy That's... commissioner, Mark Cuban. Um, but I saw you did tweet about this briefly. It is going to be the 29th team added to the G League. Uh, what do you make of the NBA expanding this uh, to Mexico City? It's great. It's great. Uh, they've been laying the groundwork there in Mexico for years now um, with playing games there. And, and for them to have a G League team, I know there's excitement in Mexico for NBA basketball. So hopefully for the NBA that they're able to develop a, a, a fan base for this new team there. Um, and that could get more kids into basketball, you know, at young ages, going to games, wanting to pick up a basketball. And that's continues further growing the game, generating interest in the sport of basketball, this great sport that we're fortunate to cover, Chris, and fortunate to watch as fans. Right now, I will look at the NBA, and personally, I, I, I love the NBA right, more, right now more than I ever have. I think there's so many vibrant personalities and interesting teams, and I think that's why you know we talk about ratings dipping and all that. There's so many factors with that, but it's undeniable that interest in basketball is at least increasing on social media, um, and and I think that's a, that's a response to just how great the game is now. And so for Mexico to add a team, that's great in terms of interest for fans. It's great for business and long term. As I tweeted last night, I do wonder, and I, of course this is not a conversation now, but I do think maybe if this team in Mexico City is a great success. Will the NBA at some point potentially expand adding a 31st and 32nd team? And naturally, if it's a success there, one of those teams could be in Mexico City. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, long they term. Have, they have talked. I mean, is that you know, I mean, I guess they they have talked about all manner of of places where the NBA could expand. Uh you know, yeah, it's interesting to think about in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, long. How many term. how exactly. many teams how exactly. many teams are there? And are yep. teams just relocated into different uh parts of the map, possibly the global map, or do we still or are they adding? You know what I mean? They're gonna are we gonna are we gonna look up and it's a league of thirty four or thirty six teams? Um sure. I don't knows? I don't know. It, I don't know. I mean, like it, it stands to reason that with the with the global ascension of the game, you theoretically in 10, 20 years could have enough good basketball players. You know what I mean? Like, like you wouldn't be 
mega watered down by adding extra teams that there are uh, that there will be plenty of guys uh that could feasibly be NBA basketball players, but the league only holds 400 something at this point. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, you know, right now that the league is deeper perhaps than it's ever been. Of course, everybody talks about Jamal Crawford, not being in the league. Everybody was talking about how Carmelo wasn't in the league. There's a lot of other great players around the world who choose not to be in the league. We saw Miritich leave this summer for a wealthy contract overseas there's guys that could play that there's jobs for in the NBA, either at the back of benches or in rotations. And so for the NBA, Adam Silver said earlier this year that they're not in expansion mode. And that's 100% true from everything I've heard in recent years. They are not in expansion mode. But long term, though, I, it is in the league's best interest, or it is at least something on their mind to expand to 31 or 32 teams. And will we see that anytime soon? No, no, we won't. But having a team in Mexico City at least is continuing to build that foundation up of basketball in a new country, in a new major market, Mexico City, where you're generating interest and maybe, maybe, maybe someday can be a place for an actual franchise. But until then, though, Chris, that's a team. That's a place that you have a G League team playing games. It's a place that you could use as a site for midseason tournament or play-in tournaments. You could use it for a myriad of different reasons. But for now, though, it's just about building up potentially for that long-term goal. Yeah, you have no idea how things are going to play out in 10 or 20 years because the truth is, you know, he is now 20. 20 years ago, if I would have told you there is a guy that's going to have 20 straight games of 25 and 5 from Slovenia, You'd have been like, what? Like, what, what are you talking like, I mean, the, the guy was going to take the world by storm and he was going to be, uh, you know, and he's playing, by the way, he that uh, the, 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 the draw at a game in Mexico City in 20 years is going to be a 20-year-old Slovenian kid who is, you know, shattering all kinds of records. And then in that game they played there yesterday, he had 41, 12, and 11. There ain't a kid that was at that game in Mexico City that doesn't want to be Luca after they watch that. <laughs> you oh, know, <laughs> did, you, did you see the response to him speaking flawless Spanish uh, before the game? Poor Blake Griffin. Hmm. Poor Blake yeah, well, Griffin. No, I, did I, you, thought, I thought it was funny. No, I, did I, you see him? He said, yeah, I, should, I, I, I knew I should have gone first. <laughs> I, I, it, made, it made for a great comedic moment, though. It did. It, it, it was a great moment. <laughs> Blake Griffin is legitimately funny. Like I've seen him in those, you know, the roast things and whatever. He's a funny guy. He's got he's got jokes, but that was a uh, pretty quick witted. Rather than just living in the embarrassment of it, I mean, good grief! You don't. Ex- I I would not have expected Luka Doncic to just grab that mic and then just be speaking flawless Spanish to the audience well, at well, hand. He, he, well, he speaks four languages. I know. I, be- I believe Mina Kimes had this in her yeah. 2018 profile. He speaks Slovenian, of course. He's English. Uh, Spanish, as we saw last night, and Serbian as well. Unbelievable. Chris, yeah. what language did you take in high school? Oh, gosh. Spanish. Spanish. And, okay. Yes. And my, I had a teacher, Senor DeLuca, and mm-hmm. he hated me. I mean, hated me. And he was the one teacher I had throughout high school. Like, he would call my father at work. About really? The, yes. About the way I acted in class. And oh God, I wait, mean, I could, I, I could not stand this how did, guy. How did you act in class? I was just like, I was like class clown. You know what I mean? Really? Like I was, yeah, I was just goofing all the time. 
Imagine. It's the same as you are now. Yeah. I mean, I was just good. Yes. I was good. <laughs> I, I was goofing all the time. He was a he was a dope. I mean, and I was and I knew and I knew when I was a kid he was a dope. You know what I mean? And so he was a dope. We're watching these like I remember we had to like watch this like movie, right? And it was like different people saying May Gusta and no May Gusta. And and then there was like, like I remember uh May Gusta, I used to always say May Gusta El Balancesto, right? I like basketball. Or May Gusta La Biblioteca. Like anytime he, the, I like the library. Like anytime he would ask me to say something, I would say the same things. And I don't know. I didn't take it seriously. Mm. I know very little. I, I you know, I, 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 I have retained very little. The guy was a dope. He always tried to call my <laughs> dad. The guy always tried to call my dad. And get me in trouble at home, which he was successful at. And so, I mean, look at that. I, I, I wish I would have had a different teacher for Spanish. I see. It would have served me much better in life. Do you? Can you speak it well or no? No, no I actually, and it was in junior high, we had three language classes, Spanish, oh. French, and Latin. And we didn't get to choose which language we got put into. And they oh. put me in French class. Oh, so the, took, the, the the language yeah, of love, yeah, Kevin yes, O'Connor. They, 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 they put me in French class in seventh and eighth grade. And then in high school, I could choose. And I chose French for yeah. the easy grade. But in hindsight, I should have taken Spanish. It's just as an American, Spanish would be the, the, the more valuable language to learn because we have more Spanish-speaking people. And uh, French was nice to to learn, even though I forget nearly everything. You've never you've never used the uh, I speak French to try to uh, get girls. No, no, no. I don't. I I don't remember anything except oh, what for a, the, what the, a the, colossal the, error in judgment. I, I I know. I know. It's. Uh, I wish I could have. <laughs> I wish I had been able to retain it. It perhaps could have been valuable in my dating life. Yes, you could just say I speak. I speak fluent fr- French. I know. Right. Too bad. What a missed opportunity, huh? Can you say anything besides yeah. Frank Nilakina? <laughs> <laughs> or, or or as you said last week Dante Exum oh yeah <laughs> oh Australia killed me for that dude that oh, was hilarious yeah yeah I got oh, it in, I got it in my mind that he had eaten so many beignets which is obviously <laughs> French cuisine and uh so I attributed him to France I I, I was surprised as many Australians still wanted to claim him honestly mm-hmm. but whatever um yeah but though can you say anything in French Give me something like, like, like "messe beaucoup," like "thank you very much." Oh, come on! Anybody can say that. Uh, <laughs> Tell me something good. Like I, 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 know, I, I don't have any. I don't have anything good. Really? I don't. I don't. You, I you can't say I want to go to lunch or nothing. No, I can't. You can't say I. Can you say uh, I like basketball? Like no. I could. <laughs> no. I, I think. I think I like is like je t'aime. Like uh, je t'aime. I don't know what basketball oh is in French. I'm you pretty are. sure. You're, I, an, I know, emba- you're I, an embarrassment. You didn't pay attention. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we get along. You probably were the guy that would have been laughing at my stupid jokes in the classes. Oh, I hundred percent would have. I been. was. I was not. I, look, I. I, I school was, a, was to me, and th- this is not a message to kids. And look, I don't. I, <laughs> I, my wife. My wife does not let me talk to my kids about school. School was a means t- for me to get to do what I wanted to do. You know, I did get good grades. I did pay attention enough, but. It was not like something that I, <laughs> yeah. and and I goofed too much. That's for sure. 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, we're getting into a, a deeper topic here, but I wish, I wish schools would teach more fundamental skills, like how mm-hmm. to save money, how to file taxes, how like things like that, that you're using. And I, and I think there are certain teachers across the country who are like, I do do that. And because they're using math class to teach practical activities. And I think that's a great thing. There's, there's a lot of incredible teachers that I've had in my life. There's a lot of, a lot of great teachers out there who listen to this podcast a lot of amazing teachers that make a big difference in people's lives. Um, But there are certain sometimes correct the curriculum curriculum is determined by the state. And that's, that's the situation in which that, Sometimes kids aren't getting the educated they, they, the education that they need, and teachers that are actually teaching that curriculum know it when oh, they're doing. Tr- it. Look, trust me, Kevin. I'm. I'm I, look, there is a reason I'm not the one giving a message. My wife's yeah. a teacher. She's been a teacher. She's got her master's in it. My mother has been a teacher her entire life and was a college professor. And like, so I am a good grief when I have to help them with school. I'm a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that whole, that whole, are you smarter than a fifth grader? The answer is no. <laughs> like, I mean, I had to do some English homework the other night, help him out. Oh, God. Mm. I, I was, I'm looking stuff up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 like, you're like the kid, you're like the kid yeah. in the back of class with his phone hidden by his yeah, side. I know <laughs> about, ba- I try to know about basketball. That's what I do. I, I your, 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 your kid's like, dad, what are you doing on your phone? Oh, nothing, nothing. nothing. Work, work stuff. Nothing. You're actually looking up the answers. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. All right. We got to take a quick this is break. Like, this is parent corner. Yeah, this is parent corner. Our own parent corner. Shout out to, to Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. I want to remind everybody, today's show brought to you by Mountain Dew. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game. You know, I mentioned Devontae Graham uh, in one of these recently. He did it again the other night with the 40-point night for the Charlotte Hornets. Brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. Today's show also brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unexpected like the New Orleans Pelicans now losing 10 games in a row. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's show brought to you by Kamakoto. Kamakoto makes great kitchen knives using traditional techniques. Each knife comes in a beautiful, heavy-duty ash wood box, and each blade is crafted using steel sourced from Japan and techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knifesmiths. They've just launched their longest blade in the collection, an epic 13-inch long Yanagiba blade. Because of their single bevel edge, Kamakoto knives can achieve a wickedly sharp edge you just can't get with other knives. We're talking cut through your ribeye like butter sharp. Kamakoto is so confident about their knives that each knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. I got these knives last week, and they are absolutely unbelievable. I'm the one that in the kitchen, we've had knives forever, and a lot of them are dull, and it drives you crazy. And so now getting these, this is this has opened my eyes to a whole different world of knives. These are honestly the sharpest, and you want to talk about making things easy, and they are sturdy as you can imagine. 
easily the best knives I have ever had. If you go ahead and buy now, Kamakoto is offering our listeners an extra 25% off site-wide on top of their holiday offers. Go to kamakoto.com slash NBA and use the offer code NBA at checkout. That's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash NBA. K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash NBA. All right, Kevin, since we last spoke on Tuesday, the Knicks did get rid of David Fisdale. I was very happy that I had plugged that in there. By the time you listen to this, he might be gone. And sure enough, it was that afternoon he was gone. And now the attention turns to what happens. Um, What do you think? Do you think this is going to be, do you think when this all flushes out, what we're going to find is it's all new management. And at that point, that new management is going to get to choose their own coach. Um, Or do you think this is just going to continue to be something where we look at it and we go, what are they doing? Uh, I mean, (laughs) if you're, if you're, if you're factoring in history here, it's probably going to be, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Based off the last two decades. Um, However, I think there's enough smoke and maybe even a little bit of fire that James Dolan's going to, throw a lot of money at Masai Ujiri. Well, and you know what? You know what did not hit big news? This did not make big news, but I did read recently that he recently turned down an extension from the Raptors. Yeah, Howard Beck of Bleacher Report reported that, and look, man, like, I don't know, and I I believe Howard's reporting. Um, I've heard so much mixed stuff. I've heard from some of my closest sources as I'm sure Howard has, that Masai did not sign the extension. But I've also heard from some other people that I trust that he did. Like, there's a lot of, hmm. put it this way, I would, I, I believe that he did not sign the extension based off what I've heard. However, there's a lot of confusion within the NBA of whether he did or not in recent months. That's okay? fascinating. I, yeah. I, say that, I say that to contextualize the conversation around Masai Ujiri. Right. There's a lot of people who don't know. Well, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. If he's on, if he, if he's on the extension, or if he didn't, if, of course, exactly. So I, I, I definitely, can, I can personally support Howard's reporting based off what I, the conversations I've had that he did not wow. sign the extension. However, there are people out there who have said he has, and that's from people that I trust. And it's kind of hard to get a read on whether he did or not. Then that that just sort of captures everything around Masai right now. With the Knicks noise, whether he did or didn't sign the extension, who knows what his future looks like. And for Masai Ujiri, I know everybody says, like, why would he leave Toronto? And I, I, my, my first instinct is that as well. Like, why would he leave this situation in Toronto? He has a great team there already. Granted, they've struggled recently. A very good situation with cap space coming up. Flexibility to do it his own way, which is what he wanted in the beginning when he took the job. He wanted to blow it up immediately, and he didn't. And it worked out. They won a championship after trading for Kawhi and Marcus Gasol, and they had a special, special year. And he has everything that he needs there. However, with New York, that is also a place for him to have a platform to do all the types of things that he does outside of basketball to continue growing his own name and his own causes to keep growing the game in Africa, keep promoting the game and doing all the stuff he does away from the front office. And what better market to do that than New York, not to mention from a basketball standpoint, 
Say what you want about James Dolan as an owner. And he is certainly imperfect. He is incredibly flawed, probably one of the worst owners in all of sports. However, one of the things that he is good at is letting his front offices do what they want to do. And, and that has been to his own detriment in the past because of poor hires. However, if you're letting Masai do what he wants, who has been proven to be just an excellent evaluator of talent, a fearless decision maker who has relationships across the league to make big deals. If you're letting that guy do what he wants after throwing him a ton of money, I think suddenly the Knicks are in good shape. All right. Um, I would tell you that the reason to stay in Toronto is because of Pascal Siakam and the future that you have there. But more so than anything, the fact that if we wanted to reference Toronto ownership, I will freely admit I could not. I don't even know who the owner is there. And that is the greatest compliment I can give them. If you want to talk about getting out of the way, the fact that your average NBA fan and I and I am. Freely they admitting, don't, they don't have a singular owner. It's MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. It's it's a group of people, right? And do you even know who the voice is? If I was going to tell you, like, it's not like somebody is out there, or that you think like, oh, well, their ownership. Like, we don't even know about them. We don't even know about it. And he, that's his show. When you think of Toronto, you think of Masai. And you can say all you want about James Dolan getting out of the way. When people think of the Knicks, they think of James Dolan because he has been the constant. And you can say he gets out of the way until he makes his, you know, goofy front office have a press conference after a game explaining things away and sending out tweets and statements that are ridiculous after free agency apologizing. Like literally the night of free agency. You think it's not James Dolan that makes him send out an apology? I know. Or or the way the rumors happen with Fizdale and then they have yeah. front office out there. Yeah, I know. I know. There's there would be significant risk in Masai Ujiri leaving the Raptors for the Knicks. Would I do it? I don't know. <laughs> I think it depends on the money. Yeah, I guess right. Here, if you're getting paid hundred billion dollars, right? right? Yeah, if you if you're if you're given some equity in MSG or something like that too, I mean that's then then it's really serious. But I think that the logic in going to the next look, okay, let's just backtrack here. I was on Bill Simmons podcast in October, or maybe it was early November. And I said, in passing, we're talking about the team that's least hopeful. This is when the Kings were, I think, 0 and 5. And Bill had said, the Knicks are least hopeful. And I said, in passing, are the Knicks really less hopeful than the Kings right now? And what I meant by that was, a couple of things. The fact that, and what I was factoring in was you can't deny the advantage of being in a big market. You just can't. And for New York, that franchise has been a disaster for two decades, but if they're able to change their reputation, if they're able to change the way they're perceived, change owners, well, yeah, they have to change what in whatever form it is. If you're able to change that, you're still the new, you're New York. And, and that's what I meant by that. And I still feel that way to an extent. Sacramento is of course in a far superior basketball situation. That goes without saying, but that was saying in the moment when they were zero and five, yeah. but that th- this, I only bring this up to say the Knicks 
still play in New York City. And if they're able to get a guy like Masai Ujiri by throwing him a boatload of money that Toronto isn't willing to match or come close to, it's worth it for them because of the investment and the payoff that could come from players that would eventually come to that city and want to come to that city. They got to do everything they can to get Masai or somebody like Masai. They have to. They have to. All right, Kevin. Uh, next thing, after or uh, since we last spoke, there have been continued recent free falls for two different teams. One, the Pelicans, and theirs is immense. It's now 10 losses oh in a row. Uh, and Minnesota, the other one, who's been in a little free fall here with six games that they have now lost in a row. Let me start with the Pelicans, because you had brought up, you'd even throw J.J. Reddick's name out there a few days ago. And David Griffin has continued to say, we are trying to win, and we we have not done a good job of it. I mean, at 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 what point does that change? Um, all right, let me. So that's number one. Number two, and this has not been talked about all that much, dude. Have you seen this Reggie Miller stuff where he keeps coming out all the time saying that Zion won't play this season? Like he's the only one saying that, but it's bizarre to me. Like he keeps on saying that. Like I keep telling people, you're not going to see him this year, or there's a real good chance that Zion's not even going to play this season. And I don't know where that's coming from, but he even did it. He even tweeted it out the other night again. And it doesn't like gain a ton of traction, I guess, because it's Reggie and he's not necessarily known for NBA reporting, but he does keep saying that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Which is strange. I, I, did, I did see that tweet earlier this week. The I've been saying this tweet. Yeah. That one. Yeah. What is um, he talking about? I, I hope he's wrong. I hope he's wrong too. But I don't know why he keeps saying that. And and yet there has not been like that certainly has not been newsbreaker news. Like it's just because of his role uh that he has right now that I think people are just kind of like, yeah, whatever. But he is saying there's somebody out there saying that we're not gonna see Zion this season. I don't, I don't know. Who who knows? I don't the, know either. The, the, the I hope he's wrong, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally don't care if Zion plays his rookie year. We've seen other great players miss their rookie seasons. Ben Simmons, of course, Blake Griffin, and then they play their rookie season the next year. And, and that's okay. I, the important thing is that Zion is is 100% healthy before he returns. Whether that's this season or not, I don't know. I don't care. I just hope he gets into full health, but, but into that, the best, best, the, best possible shape in order to have a long, successful career. The reason I say most. it, though, Kev, the reason <laughs> I bring that up is because knowing that information would, I believe, if you are in their front office or whatever it may be, that would change your that would change your idea of you know hey do we do we try to keep running this out there and hope that we can win 8 out of 10 you know at some point when we get Zion back and get back in this mix and maybe scratch and claw for an 8 seed because even as dreadful as they've been and even uh, though they have lost 10 games in a row it is it's not like anyone is super running away from it they're five and a half out of the eighth seed right now, which should not be so, but it is. They're five and a half out. And so you could convince yourself like, hey, if we could win eight out of 10, you know, we get Zion back. But if you know you're not getting Zion back, you become a seller at this, right? Don't you become a seller at this uh, as of Sunday? 
maybe, uh, maybe, or or you're you're building for next year and you want to keep this core around. Because uh, right now, like, what is this team missing? It's missing a rim protector, an experienced rim protector. Jackson Hayes is is too young. Uh, they're missing favors right now. Hey, Okafor is not a defensive player uh, in that role as a pick and roll defender. So if you're the Pelicans, you're you're looking at your defense and look, there's a lot of issues on this team on the defensive end of the floor. But rim protection is the number one issue. They have that, super it, underachieved, Kev. I know they have. I mean, they got that, one but, more but, win than the friggin' I Warriors. I know, I know, I know. But like rim protection is something that needs to improve drastically. And you're very young at that position in that role. And so if you're in New Orleans, you might want to keep the rest of this intact and then try and plug and play somebody who can do that this summer through trade or free agency, or maybe these young guys continue to get better because it's not like these players are bad, just not working. And okay. also the, the, other, the other factor could be maybe you look at coaching after the season too. It may not be after the season that you look at it. Um, how much Lonzo stock do you still own? A little bit. A little? Yeah, I like I mean, Lonzo. it's 37% from the field, 33% from three. I know it's rough. Uh, I I like Lonzo. I I think that we're kind of seeing who he is though, and that's we a. Are? I and he's a role player who's a majestic passer, but he is the shooting detriment really really hurts. And he's a good defend defensive player as well, though not quite the same level this year. And same is true for Ingram. He's been a good defensive player in the past, not this year. How much of that is scheme versus effort versus the team is just losing a lot of games? I don't know. It's probably a combination of all of that. Um, but these guys are better than they've performed overall on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. Uh, that like, and they've got a weird mix. Like they're running, they got a bunch of guys that are like, you know, probably best suited to play shooting guard where, you know, Drew Holiday can certainly play off the ball. JJ Reddick, Josh Hart, Lonzo, Etwan Moore. Like they got all of these guys that are, and so that makes it so that their rookie who I loved. Like, he has not been good in very limited minutes, but he doesn't get run, which is strange for a team that loses every friggin' night. You know what I mean? You'd figure you'd just start starting Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and, like, just get him out there and get him playing. But you do have some vets in the way, so that's the interesting thing about what they do. And the other team that you had mentioned in your article was Minnesota. Does this frame what they should be doing, whether or not they're buyers or sellers? this six game losing streak and being two and eight in their last 10. If I remember correctly, we did talk about Covington on Tuesday. We right? did. We did. We did. And, and I, I would, I would sort of just echo those thoughts that for Minnesota, I, I think you have to really look in the mirror here and, and think about long-term you have towns locked up. This is the first year of his five-year contract. You have time here and they need to be building for that year, three year, four year, five of that contract to peak. And that's why they went hard after D'Angelo Russell this offseason. Unfortunately for them, they did not get him. But for Russell, he's a guy who could help. He could have ex helped accelerate the rebuild now, but maybe peaked in a couple of years. That needs to be the priority for Minnesota. And I, I would try to shop Robert Covington because I don't. This team could potentially slip into the seventh or eighth seed. But what does that get you besides the spanking, Chris? What, what does that get you? You know? It's like, yes, great. You made the playoffs, but I think what's better and the best long-term interest of this team is adding a guy who can help you peak in a couple of years. You certainly don't want to be bad, bad though, because you do want to be able no. to yeah, be able to have 
well, players want to play there. You, you, you know? won't be. You won't be because yeah. you have Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best young players in the game. And yet, even Towns this year, it's another repeat after his unbelievable start. Unbelievable start to the season, Chris. He's not shooting with the same frequency he did earlier in the year. That bothers me. That bothers me. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they're a fascinating one because it's been, they, they, they really want to make the playoffs. So do they go out and they try to attain a point guard? They try to make that team, you know, make some additions because you could argue that they are, you know, just a few pieces away. If they could, if they could make the right moves from being able to feel like, Hey, we are going to get one of those seven or eights, but you say it might not be that valuable to be seven or, or eight. Uh, this particular year, it's going to be very fascinating because we are only two days away, Kev, um, from that de- from when everybody becomes tradable. So, who are you well, most wait, fascinated? One, 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 one more, oh, one, more okay. one more thing though. One more, one yeah. more thought on both Minnesota and New Orleans. How much, how much of their is- issues do you think are due to the lack of having a reliable and steady playmaker? Because look at Minnesota, their primary is Jeff Teague. And then on New Orleans, you know, you have Lonzo who can't shoot well. You have Ingram who can handle the ball a bit, but he's not a pure number one playmaker. You have Drew Holiday who's more of a traditional throwback combo guard. How much do these teams get hurt from not having that more traditional or at least elite high-level passing presence? Because Town so often... He has mismatches, or he's open, and he doesn't get delivered the ball. Well, and they've the also been going into they've too. been going into games where they don't even play a point guard. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh, with, Jared, with Jared Culver, exactly. Yeah, you've yep. seen him. You've yep. seen him. Of course, Culver. you know. And I said Teague was their primary. He was the primary entering the season. Now you have Culver as their starter, which he is not. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is not. I mean, when when Culver was coming out, do you did anybody sit there and say? This guy is the guy that's going to bring the ball up the court and initiate your offense. I mean, he's a talented kid, but that's not what anybody foresaw as the role. I'm sure. I, 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 I think the potential was there. I mean, like the, the, the subhead on my scouting report on him in the draft guide is quote, versatile wing who can fill a myriad of roles and has a lane to become a primary shot creator. If his handle keeps improving. So the potential was there, Chris, it's just the handle wasn't at the level that it needed to be to your point that he didn't, he didn't necessarily need to do that in college and he did, but he's always had the passing ability and that sort of touches on the, the Frank Nilakina conversation and debate you and I always have. Nilakina has great passing vision. It's just, he doesn't have great ball handling ability and same thing as with the truth with Culver. Same thing is also true with Lonzo ball. Lonzo ball is a fantastic passer in the open floor who when he's on the drive can make just these unbelievable passes on the perimeter darts in the shot pocket to shooters or finding cutters however he doesn't have a dribble that breaks down defenders true for culver true for nilakina and that's the secret sauce to unlocking these guys yeah, as I, a next level playmaker i also think and and again there's going to be people there that like this is not something that is said, that you can see on paper and so uh there are going to be those that are out there that discount it like oh yeah yeah you always talk about things that you can't even quantify but anybody that's seen that team play in wow. person they need a leader who inspired that they, impression they have, i don't know 
That's it's just, it's just what I I, I, I I like that one. That, right. was a, that was a different one. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> they don't have a leader. They don't. Like where where things are not going their way or they start taking some crappy shots that says this is this is stopping. Like and their veterans are like, you know, like Teague, I'm sure he'd rather be somewhere else and he's not even starting now. Covington just kind of came into that mix. I mean, everybody knows that's Towns and Wiggins team. But we saw Jimmy Buckets drag them along and you need a guy like that. You need somebody that is the this isn't happening, not tonight. Like, this run isn't happening. We're not going to keep taking these crappy shots. Like, they don't have they don't have that leader on the floor. When you watch them, and I've seen them twice in person, they don't – there's nobody that rallies them, you know, because they're, they're all kind of these passive-aggressive personalities rather than, you know, somebody that's going to rally these guys and, you know – Somebody that's going to speak to them, you know, and get it all in line. And I do think they need that um, on that team. I don't know. You know, it's hard to find that and just throw him into the locker room and throw him into onto the team. But they need that edge and somebody that is willing to speak up. Because when things start, when the wheels start coming off, when you're watching that team, there's nobody that's a leader. Nobody. You know? Um We'll see. I don't know. It, they they're they're in a very interesting position, and we don't really know all that much about how this Gerson Rosas is going to, you know, what he wants to do with this franchise, um, and what his t- and what his timeline is. You know, what I'm saying is he is he thinking, hey, I won't have this job all that long if I don't turn this team into a playoff team with a quickness, or is he going? This is for the long haul, and I'm going to make decisions based upon that. Well, 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 Gerson, Gerson said this summer uh, after he was hired that he does want to be ag- aggressive in building around Cat. Um, however, I, I had heard at the time when Russell Westbrook was on the block that Minnesota wasn't even interested in him. Um, and that I think it, considering that they were interested in D'Angelo Russell and they were not interested in Russell Westbrook, um, there could be reasons for that with Westbrook's playing style and his talent level. However, I think the age difference is the greatest indicator there that they do want guys that fit the timeline with Carl Anthony towns. All right. Uh, so that, that, that would be my, my initial thought. Last thing with this uh, day that everyone could be traded uh, just a few days away. Who are you most fascinated by? Obviously, Andre Iguodala's name's been out there since the very beginning of the season. He is one of the few that has not played at all, but contenders really desire him. You have brought up Covington. You have uh, mentioned Redick in passing uh, in an article. And then we talked about Kevin Love last week and maybe some of the veteran guys off that Cleveland team. Um, Who are you most fascinated with that you think, once that day hits, could be on the move? Uh, before we have to wait until the trade deadline in February? I mean, I, I don't think anybody will move right away. And that could always change. But um, I've I've heard similar to what's been reported from others that it's probably going to be quiet at the start. Um, and this is the type of thing where a lot of, that's because a lot of teams are still figuring out who they are. There's a lot of teams that still feel like they have a chance. You, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, New Orleans, only five and a half games out of the eighth seed. And they've lost right? 10 in a row. Yeah. 
10 in a row and they're five and a half out. I, I mean, don't even I, know how that's possible. As silly as it sounds, you could even say Washington, three and a half out of the eight seed. <laughs> if you're Washington, you could, be, you could be like, if only we had our defense fixed and we can build around this stud, developing stud we have in Bradley Beal, one of the best shooters in basketball and Bertans, an impressive young rookie and Rui Hachimura. You can even say that. So teams are, are still figuring out who they are and then what they want to be and what are the moves that they have to make to become that. And I wouldn't expect anything immediately um, in terms of what I'm most fascinated by. You know, we've talked about Kevin Love. We talked earlier about Steven Adams, Gallinari, Chris Paul, you know, Marcus Morris, all these guys, Andre Iguodala. We, we've talked about those guys um, to sort of the rewind to something from a couple of weeks back. I am fascinated by the Spurs. I, I am. I do wonder, will they at some point look in the mirror and say, we want to try to trade DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge to a team that thinks it has a shot. And is there a deal out there that's actually worth it for them? Cause Lonnie Walker has been playing pretty well lately, but it's hard to find consistent minutes for him. It's hard to play their young guards together because of the presence of DeMar DeRozan. And with LaMarcus Aldridge next year, having his guarantee date moved up, likely guaranteeing his contracts. Does he become a, 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 a target for a team that needs a big man and has salaries to work for him, but doesn't want somebody long-term. If you're the Spurs, it's similar logic to what we just said with Covington this week, Chris, that if, if you're Minnesota and you put Covington on the block, he suddenly becomes arguably the number one target in the free agent market. I mean, in the trade market, sorry. And teams would be lining up around the corner for him. And if you're San Antonio, I'm not quite sure DeRozan or Aldridge would Aldridge would generate the same interest, but there would be some teams that would look at DeRozan and say, wow, look at what he did last year as a primary ball handler. DeRozan was good. He was good passing the ball. If you're Orlando, why wouldn't you be targeting DeMar DeRozan when you are trying to make the postseason when you, that's important to your franchise to get there and to Man. compete? Why? So <laughs> it's a shame that uh, Aldridge uh, napalmed the bridge to uh, to Portland years ago. They get, that actually wouldn't be that bad of a fit. That was the first name that right. I thought of. But bridges you, can always brought, be rebuilt. When you brought, oh God, no, Portland fans would not be. That would not be a happy reunion. Trust me. That dude. That dude. Look. I was covering the playoff series when he flew a different plane home than the rest of the team. I've never heard of that in my life. Like that, the ending of that was abysmal, really, truly abysmal. Um, and he was so like, you know, there was all that jealousy of Lillard and how much they were promoting him and whatever. And it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. Have you ever had a breakup that bad? What? Where I, where I flew home separately? (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we still got to ride on the same plane. <laughs> uh, Kevin, go brush up on your French, and uh, uh, yeah. I will talk to you on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, got to prep for uh, uh, hopefully a full two-hour sit-down interview someday with Frank Nilakina, where we just talk constantly about your hate for him and how you're so how dare how, you yeah but. How, has he been doing great recently haven't haven't i haven't gotten anybody tagging me on any tweets recently I, I, so i guess he hadn't done <laughs> shit 
the guy guy makes a pass and they're like, look at Frank Nilakina and the look at the promise. This is when people talk about the promise, and it'll be like him throwing a freaking bounce pass, and I'll be like, oh, get out, get out of my Twitter feed, seriously. He's uh <laughs> he's shooting well from three. Oh, is that right? Sh- shooting at 33 percent. Oh wow. <laughs> A career high. Career high. Wow. <laughs> one out of three times, you better run out there. You better pretty, run out one out of three times. You, pretty, you're gonna, pretty good. Be, be hey, an all-star in baseball with right. that average. I'll tell you this. One out of every three times, you are going to regret not guarding him. <laughs> I mean, that 33% is not good when all that shit is wide open. It's wide <laughs> open. There's nobody uh, within 40 yards of the guy when he takes a three. So good. <laughs> it's <right>. so good. <laughs> Go brush up on your French, Kevin O'Croissant. We'll, we'll, we'll do. We'll All do. Right, have, have, a, have, have, a, have a beautiful weekend, everybody. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you next week.